you've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So I haven't done this in a while. This, this comes straight from iTunes. Uh, I feel so challenged with this podcast in such a great way. Our marriage is benefiting, and I'm even more excited about our confidence when it comes to talking about sex with our kids and how that can benefit them. Thank you, Corey and Shannon, for getting real with us and not shying away from real marriage conversation. You've been a blessing in so many ways. I love hearing that kind of stuff. Yes. I couldn't. I can't get enough when I get into the email box, you know, (laughs) I I could swim around in there for a while. I I do have to thank our listeners that do email us at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. The ones that give us questions and that give us feedback and different thoughts about what's going on. But I also have to say thank you to those that email with the encouragement, because I agree. If I'm having a day of like, man, I'm I'm not really sure. Is what I'm doing really mean anything? Does it matter to people? I just got to go there, and it's like, okay, I feel good. You know, hey, I, that's a boosting of my ego again, and that, yeah, that helps. Yeah, I loved hearing from the gal this week who said that she listens to us on her run. You know, because <laughs> yeah. I know for me, when I've been running 5Ks, it's like I got to have some sort of music or something in my ear to distract my brain from how bad my body hurts. So <laughs> I don't know if she's in the same camp or not, but I'm glad that we could be her companion on her daily run. Exactly. Well, welcome to Sexy Marriage Radio, uh, where we are having honest conversations. And what we love is, like we've already talked about, is we love our listeners because this truly is some uh, listener driven radio. And we get our information and we get our topics and we get some ideas from people that email us at feedback at sexymergeradio.com. And then you can also jump on iTunes, like I mentioned just a little bit ago, and give us any kind of comments or a rating of five stars if you like it. You don't have to go five stars if you don't like it that much, but I'm just interested in feedback and helping this message spread as far as it can. Because one of the things I've discovered, and this is not a shocking statement, But one of the things we've discovered in the five years of doing this is there's a lot of struggle in sex, and there's a lot of struggle in marriage. And when you put those two together, which is what we believe and value and think is sacred, then it it produces some things that can just really be befuddling. (laughs) Yes, there's a lot of pain in relationships, but... As athletes say, no pain, no gain. You know, <laughs> I do True. think that marriage produces something that is far richer and more valuable than what any other two people on the planet could possibly create. Yep. And so here we go. This is this is what I'm thinking today, Shannon, because I've got a string of people that come to mind, emails that have come in, and people I live life with that they would be in the high desire category. They would be the ones that if you're new to Sexy Marriage Radio, we frame uh, in marriage, there is a high desire and a low desire, or there's someone with more desire and someone with less desire on everything. Yeah, or someone who wants more frequently frequency and someone who wants less frequency. Right. So when it comes to sex, somebody's going to want it more than the other. And I have a belief that there's nothing wrong with the high or the low or the more or the less. It's just different points on a continuum. And if you can kind of digest that, oftentimes that helps disarm this a little bit. Because a lot of times the high desire comes in 
to my office, and the focus is on the low desire. <laughs> they have the problem. There's something wrong with them. And in this case, I'm going to talk about it as men, even though that is not the blanket reality. There are women that are the high desire. And we will- exactly. And I'm going to challenge us, Corey. Let's just make this a two-part series from the get-go okay. because I want to give those women who are higher desire, I want to give them a voice. Yep. And I think that it, they deserve a whole different show. Yep. But they might not enjoy where I'm going to go with this one today, just in my mind. Um, I get the feeling that I know. <laughs> uh, because a lot of times we can come at the, high, at the low desire because they're the ones that are they, we're trying to challenge them. And it almost buys into the idea that there is something wrong, that if you don't have a desire, then there's something wrong. And I don't believe that you we had a show i think it might have been last week where you talked about some of the the biological drive on is sex a natural desire and i said i'm gonna have to disagree yeah um i think we still need to why uh, do you disagree well okay i don't know part of me wants to table this and 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 do it (laughs) no we're in the show now and do it later um now okay set the, set the stage first because it there okay it could i had be said that that it. The, the brain is comprised of four pleasure centers that this is where we gravitate back to time and time again for survival right and those four things are food drink sleep and sex okay that without each of these four things the human race wouldn't continue true your life wouldn't continue you you I'm not saying that you can't live without sex. I'm just saying that it's in our wiring to desire it. Okay. And it and it's you know it's varying shades, varying degrees. Some people want it more. Some people want it less. Some people want greater intensity. Some people want you know less intensity. Some people want more frequency. Some people want less frequency. But and I know that there's been a big question kind of the past few years of is it possible to be asexual? Someone who has zero sex Mm -hmm. drive and should be entitled to not have any sexual expectations put on them. I think it's fine if someone wants to believe that they're asexual, but I don't think that that person can expect their marriage partner to shift gears to being asexual too, because I don't think that that's a choice that most people have. Most people do not have a switch that they can just flip and turn it off. So if you think that you don't have a sex drive, you might want to ask, why did I get married in the first place? And can I honestly expect my spouse to stay on board this train with me if my destina- if my destination is no sexual intimacy? Okay. Okay. So here's my disagreement because okay. when I hear it, that, that you're framing it different now. It's a little softer than when it was said I'm un- earlier. I'm unpacking it a little bit more. Right. And so now I can be a little more – closer in line with that okay i just have the i hear is sex a biological drive is it a biological necessity for is the, it a need versus a desire for the spe- for the species yes we are designed to procreate for the perpetuation of our race i get that so there there is elements of and that's why for a woman if she typically does not have a lot of testosterone in her body, which is usually the horny hormone. <laughs> I don't know if it's ever been referred to that way, but that's what I'm going to refer to it as. Um, That'll work. <laughs> it does um, because it's kind of it, it increases the interest and desire lots of times. 
that's why she will have a little bit of a spike of that interest or desire right around ovulation because that's designed to help create the likelihood of children. Mm-hmm. I just believe that when we're talking about need, for us as need-based creatures, then we're just talking about the first three of your category of four. Okay. Right? Food, drink, and sex. Food, or food, food drink, and sleep. That we have to have that or the brain literally will start uh, devolving and, and decreasing and decaying. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, could, you could literally die if you tried to just go on this binger of no sleep at all. The brain right. will completely shut down in time. It, and, 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 tell, and the point of it is, is it'll make you sleep because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a necessity. Right. So I just want to be careful to not put sex in that same category because I think a lot of people have this belief, and this goes back to what the, the foundation of this show, that if my partner's not interested in sex, then there's something biologically wrong with them. And I'm going to say, no, there's not necessarily, because you could have, based on your body of work, Shannon, you could have a tremendous amount of baggage, trauma, abuse, things that have just really literally, for protection's sake, shut all that down. Right. Because it's like, I'm not going there. I would throw body images in there as one of the bigger ones, too. Sure. But I'm not going to go there because of the association I've got with that based on being brought into it way too early way too inappropriately, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so the body has this tremendous ability and the brain has this tremendous ability to help protect itself. And so it'll wall things off and it'll, you know, put it away. It'll repress it, it, all those kinds of things. That's an amazing survival skill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It causes causes problems later, but it helps you survive in the moment. But you can also have times of just, you know, chemically – there's just not a huge level of desire there. That's where I want to try to come at it and combat it with, okay, so just because there's no libido doesn't mean you're not responsive still because that's the beauty of sex through a relational dynamic rather than an individual one. Okay. Because I think a lot of times we think of sex just from an individual lens. I don't have any kind of biological inkling of Boy, I'm interested in sex. I don't have any tingling going on. I don't have any arousal. You're not motivated to the be, to be the initiator. Right. Well, but I'm also not even motivated to be a part of it necessarily, right? But then if I put it in a relational context, now all of a sudden I have some more endearing things of like, oh, yeah, I remember how they treated me, and I remember that. And, and now all of a sudden I'm a little more receptive. Okay. And so that's like we did a show on, I believe. So you're it, saying there's a difference between interest and receptivity. Yes, because we did a show on no libido that I don't, th- I don't necessarily think that means there's anything wrong if there's still responsiveness. Okay. Okay. So I, we're not really disagreeing that much. I just want to make sure on the hierarchy where I stand is it's on it, but it's just not as high up it. Okay. But I know that there are some higher desire partners who are hearing this conversation and saying, but what if they're not interested and they don't seem to be receptive? What am I doing wrong? Okay. Or what's wrong with them is probably okay. the more common. So let's, that's, and that's in great. Head. Thank you for bringing us back to the segue of this show, because yes. this is where I want to spend some time, because a lot of times we get into this dynamic. Okay. Let me just 
to set the stage, let me just go personal. This is because this okay. is my journey. I'm the high desire when it comes to my my marriage with Pam, in that I want sex more than she does. So throughout the course of our relationship, I was ignorant to her levels of of initiation. She was very very subtle. It was there when I look back at it. It just wasn't the manner in which I would do it. It wasn't blatant. It wasn't obvious. It was subtle. It wasn't over. It was right. covert. Right. So a lot of the times what I would do, and I still find myself at times fighting this in my own head, of if it's been a couple of days, a week, whatever, since we've had sex, and I'm like, she's not even hinting at it. She's not even bringing it up. She's, it has never, if I, if, you know, I, I get in that stance of if I didn't bring up the subject, it would never get brought up. If I didn't initiate it, it would never happen. You know, and I can kind of get in this whole pity party. Woe is me. I'm so put upon to have to be responsible for creating sex in my own life. And if I think about it that way, I'm like, God, that's ludicrous, but that's what I do. So we can get into this idea of it's actually what Schnarch refers to as the devil's pact. Where I will, in my own mind, say, you know what? I'm not going to do anything until she makes a move. And then I get more and more mad at her. Which is passive aggressive, Absolutely right? <laughs> it is. Absolutely. And so, Which is so sexy. <laughs> not. <laughs> I don't even, I don't, that doesn't even turn me on. Because um, everybody loves feeling like there's a palm on their forehead keeping them away. Right. So I will get into that mode. And at the same time, so I'm playing this whole game that she has no clue is going on, and I'm getting more and more frustrated with her, and it's just further solidifying the dynamic between us, right? And there mm-hmm. are times where I have played that game, and she actually, hey, it's been a while. Let's let's get together tonight, you know, something, and I'm like, yeah, it worked, and that further confirms that, no, it's not going to work in the long run, but it, it sets up this scenario to where what I see a lot of husbands fall victim to, and these are the husbands that are the high desire, is, okay, yeah, it's on us as the fellow high desire men to be the ones that create this environment, that initiate it, that bring up the topic, that pursue her, that increase the likelihood of her being interested in joining you with sex. That's all, That's on the high desire partner a bulk of the time. That's just the reality of the dynamic, I think. But a lot of times what happens is I will compartmentalize it and I will start looking, if I look at my life as a whole on my day in and day out with her, the times where I'm most interested in sex is the times when I'm pursuing her. The times when I'm not is the times I'm not pursuing her. So what I've done is I've created a scenario to where she's reading me very, very well. She knows exactly what I'm interested in and when versus Oh, he's not interested tonight. Okay, I got. I can, I can just go do what I wanted. You know, whatever. And so it starts to create this scenario. But the problem is, if I look at it through the whole lens of of my relationship with my wife, I'm not necessarily being a good, solid pursuer of her in the entirety of the relationship. I'm not treating her as precious and cherishing her. I'm not being something that's inviting of her, that's inspiring of her. I'm not handling right. myself in the manner, and this the way this plays out the most time, and this is kind of the, get, the, the start I would hope most men would take from this, 
is when you set up a scenario where you're hoping to have an increased likelihood of sex happening. And I think that's the best way to, to phrase it because it's because <laughs> even those it's, it may not happen, you know, and those are date nights and those are weekends away and stuff. And it's, it's very possible. You create a whole weekend away and don't have sex just right. because circumstances prevent it or one of you, something happens, you know, there's all kinds of different things, but how do you handle that rejection? How do you handle that that whole scenario? We had an email from somebody that that I've worked with some, and he's a, a listener, been a listener for a while. They're coming to the getaway in June. So, good. By, by the way, uh, if you're not coming to the getaway, what's up with you guys? Come on, registration's <laughs> going on now. Um, but he he's he talked about how. His wife is into the service kinds of things. If you could do acts of service, that's her love. That's her love language. And so he came. He he set up a scenario after she was gone for a while, where the kids were dressed, there was food on the table, the house was good, and it was basically it looked like oh here we go. That's the same thing as coming into a room with lights, you know, candles lit, the romantic music playing. It's a pretty clear hey. Look at this is a different environment that's out of the norm. So he was all of a sudden trying to do something different. And then as it unfolded, he's sitting there thinking and reading her on, oh, she's looking for payback. He's, you know, he's looking for payback on this. He's done all of this. I was going to say her immediate thought is you just did this because you want sex. Okay, exactly. (laughs) Because that's the scenario. And that's what I want people to understand. The dynamic of a marriage is we always are reading each other and everything can be t- can be tied to whatever the reader wants it to be tied to. Right? It, it's going to be interpreted however they interpret it. See, I just wish that the receiving partner could reframe that, that rather than feeling put upon if they just did that because they want sex – why not look at it through the lens of, wow, look at what all they did just because they want sex with me. Like, isn't that a huge compliment? Yeah. But it's, but I want to, what I want to get at with the point of this show is whenever, like he, he made the comment that she, she had this mindset of it's payback. And so for a couple of days, they didn't have sex because of just other things going on. And so he was disappointed. And while he was disappointed, she's reading that disappointment. And to his credit, he says, I was genuine, I was authentic, and I didn't lose it. I didn't go crazy. I just I just acknowledged, yeah, I was disappointed, but that's okay because I can handle when things don't go my way. And what I want and to I would hide, think that that would inspire her to exactly. be authentic and respond. I want, the, I want the high desire to hear me very, very clearly that the way we play and contribute to our own problems is when our high desire is so far off the charts in those moments from whatever our partner's desire level is, and we don't handle that well, we are no longer as trustworthy as we could be in a relationship. And so one of the things I have to always look at my life through is, am I being a trustworthy human? Am I being a trustworthy man? Because that's going to create a better story and a better picture that will inspire a wife. It's going to add more pressure. More attractive. Right. It's going to add more pressure to the system to where now all of a sudden, I can stand on my own two feet and tell my wife, hey, I'm worth 
being with. I have some value to add to this situation. And then if she says, yeah, but I'm still not turned on, I'm still, okay, now we got some real issues we can talk about because that's what's been fueling the fire anyway. Mm-hmm. But if not, now all of a sudden I got more pressure that then she has to look at her own lens of, okay, is this truly he's doing this just for payback? And how do I reframe it like you just mentioned of, you know what? What's wrong with that? If he's bending over backwards to get my attention. What's wrong with it? To free me up to have the bandwidth to be an interested and motivated sex partner. Right. Isn't that a gift? And isn't that, isn't that how we created the whole relationship in the first place? We had to go right. out of our Merry ways Christmas. a little bit. It's a gift. Yeah. We had to have some intentionality and some altering of, of schedules and ideas to start dating in the first place. Right. Well, what I think happens, Corey, is that... I think that when a man isn't consistent with that type of attention, a woman starts feeling as if I got the bait and switch. Right. He just bowled me over at first, just, you know, lauded compliments and attention on me. And then when he gets really lax at that, then she starts adjusting her expectations and dealing with the disillusionment and disappointment. But then when he kicks that back into a higher drive for the purpose of reconnecting sexually, sometimes it can just be a reminder to her of just how lax the relationship has become. Right. And so I would challenge him that maybe you just need to be more consistent with that type of attention Yeah. and, and avoid going into pouty mode or manipulation mode. Right. Well, because this, this is the idea. A pouty husband is not no, sexy. No, no, no. Pouty and uh, blow your top anger. Husband. Yeah. Manipulative no. controlling. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, this to me, fellas, and this is what we talk and spend some time dealing with in the husband mastermind groups, which start again in January. Uh, if you are interested, send me an email, Corey at simplemarriage.net. That's all you got to do. That's the first hoop to get in. Um, but to me, this is where the idea of chivalry is not dead. This is the idea of being Prince Charming. This is the idea of being the the man that sets the tone for his own life and for those that he's in life with. And I think that is incredibly important that if I'm with my wife, there is not a door she opens ever if it's anything I can do. Hmm. And the and the cool thing is my son does it. My son carried her backpack out the door today. And I love that. It's like, dude, that's great. Well done, dude. And he's nine. (laughs) You know, like you're already off to a good start, son. Well done. You make me proud. But it's just this idea of, okay, those are little things that I, I, you're a woman. They speak to a woman. I mean, they, they do because they do, especially like when you, when a man opens a door for you, if he'll put his hand on the small of her back as she's walking through, like we talked about last week with the different body parts and stuff. Yeah. Beautiful move. And it's it's just that idea. I mean, I even said in in the nature of our world, when I was, I was doing some last minute Christmas shopping, not too long ago at the mall and I walk in and there's two younger women they were they were college young professional age. They were young. I'm I'm old, man. I just it's <laughs> crazy. Are. It's man. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're they're walking, and I could see the reflection of them in the in the door behind me. That they're right behind me. It's like okay. So I hold the door for them, and they're like, "Thank you," you know. And they come in and through the door. But it's one of those malls where they have the double doors. And so I get the first one for them, 
And as, before they get to the second one, I say, hold on. And I rush up real quick to grab that one, too, and, and open it. And they go, and they go, somebody raised you right. Aww. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, you're welcome. But what I should have said, because I thought of this right after, and I was so mad at myself for not saying it. I should have said, expect nothing less. Yeah. You know, yeah, you should have <laughs> been raised to expect it. Exactly. Just, just from, from a guy, any guy you're going to be with, expect nothing less. And it's just, I don't know, because it's just this idea of, I just believe the way I, well, the way I view Eve, which is women, is they're security seeking creatures. Yes. And as Adam, how do I create a safe environment for her? And some of mm-hmm. that is you demonstrate I'm looking out for you. I have your best interest in mind. I'm I have your back, I, literally. Exactly. I'm I am here to not only just protect you physically, because if somebody comes in my house, I'm not expecting Pam to go take them down. <laughs> is, that's my job. What is it? Do whatever you want to the girl, just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, you never say that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Um, but it's just that idea of, okay, hold on. I just want to create something that's solid. And I do that in the way I interact with everybody because she's watching. And I think I want the high desire to understand all of that can be under the umbrella of pursuit, under the umbrella of creating environments, under the umbrella of, of, of wooing and inviting people to be with you, to enjoy your company, to want to have you around, to invite you closer. Yes. Yeah. And so, Corey, when you told me that you wanted to do the show on basically what men do to undermine their chances of sex or what men do that shuts her down, really. Right. I made a a list just off the top of my head, just based on my work with clients, what stands out most. Okay. Okay. And so, um, you know, we talked about the being pouty and manipulative, never a turn on, never. When a woman feels as if she's being coerced or manipulated, that right. she's going to dig her heels in okay. hard. But let me add a caveat to that, though, because it's not saying don't be disappointed. Don't be hurt. But own it. Yes. But to it, be it, manipulative and right. passive aggressive no, and pouty. I just mean because pouty, because sometimes that could be heard as what? Am I supposed to be impervious to their rejections? No. 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 It's but there's that, a big difference between disappointed and pouty. Right. It's just the same thing of put it in a sports mentality. If you, if you had any uh, history with sports and you roll your ankle in the middle of a basketball game or you got hurt in the football game and you have to come off the sidelines for a second to get checked out, typically you still have that mindset of, no, that's my team. I will do what I have to do to get back in there. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of same mindset of, yeah, that hurt, but I don't go running to the locker room. Well, I I was thinking in terms of when you lose a game, you know, you still pass by all the players and slap their hands. You'd be a good sport about it as opposed to just fold your arms and run off the field and, you know, be a a bad sportsman. Keep going. Okay. So some of the other things that I wrote down, and and I know that this is probably the go-to in a lot of people's minds. So sorry to state the obvious, but I think that there are some women who just feel as if, who feel as if, he expects too much from me. I'm working outside the home. I'm working inside the home. I'm raising the kids. I'm paying the bills. Like there are women who just feels as if you know, he goes to work and feels as if all the rest should be taken care of because maybe he makes so much more money than she does or whatever, but she just simply doesn't have the bandwidth. So to give her the opportunity to come up for air, to take a bubble bath, to have an evening to herself or whatever, 
just demonstrating some reciprocity and just making sure that whatever load is being carried in that household is being fairly shared between the two partners, regardless of how much money either of them makes, you still only have so much time and energy and bandwidth. And for women to have that available for sexual encounters, she's going to have to borrow it from somewhere. So, you know, for a man to step in and say, what can I do to help you is just absolutely vital. Right. But Two other things. I think that sometimes men will either say something hurtful without even realizing it, or they're just simply not complimenting her nearly as often as he used to. Because a woman is not as much turned on by what she sees as what she hears. Women are auditorily stimulated. Men are visually stimulated. Okay. So the same way that men are just clamoring for a naked peek at her body, she is clamoring for a sweet nothing to be whispered to her or a compliment or some sort of, like you said, security producing conversation right. that makes her feel really safe and cherished in that right. relationship. Right. So men have got to step up their verbal game and be very careful about how they say things that they don't hurt her feelings and that they make her feel good about herself. Okay. okay. Um, or at least good about the relationship. I realize that she can only feel good about herself. <laughs> Thank you. I, I saw the good, roll of your good, eyes. Good catch. I was going to have to say something, but good catch. <laughs> yeah. It, but then another thing though, is um, I read an article this week that I had to laugh out loud about, and I have to toss it in here. I, I think that one of the things that men do to shoot themselves in the foot is they're not as sensitive of lovemaking partners as they could be. And what I mean by that is maybe he's just a little too rough with her. He causes her pain during lovemaking. Maybe he pitches her too hard or smacks her too hard or just penetrates her too deep or too suddenly without warming her up. All of these things, like you were talking about the brain is a very Mm self-preserving organ and it does what it has to do to protect itself. And so the idea of shutting yourself down sexually because you feel threatened is it's kind of a, a natural byproduct of right. having been hurt sexually. And so I read an article about this celebrity. I forgot his name, but he basically said he believes that all men should be penetrated at least once so that they know just how vulnerable of a position right. she's in every stinking time. Right. That it really gives you a whole different paradigm a whole different lens to look through and will help you be a more sensitive lover when you feel vulnerable because she feels vulnerable every time so i would just encourage the men to be a sensitive sex partner to be a verbal partner to be a hands-on active partner don't pout don't manipulate yes express disappointment but own your feelings and and have adult conversations about these matters she's going to become far more likely to respond like a a grown-up adult if you approach it as an adult right and i think the thing the framework i think of is uh get out of middle school (laughs) with the way don't be so sophomoric about it well no because sometimes whenever it is you know we can still revert back to that as humans of you know i have these feelings and i'm not really sure what to do with it so let me poke at you let me make fun of you (laughs) rather than you know what i do like you and this that's an uncomfortable statement but it's true you know something just just talking is the best is the best start I totally agree. So it'll be an interesting conversation to have next week when we look at it from the totally opposite lens. (laughs) Yes, it is. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to spend it with us. We'll see you next time. We hope you have a Merry Christmas. We love you for listening.